they were out of lids at the gas station. I had to go behind the counter and get like a special lid. They were and out I was of like, lids? They were out of lids. I was like shaking my fist in the air. Supply chain! <laughs> How am I going to drink this coffee without a flat build cap with the Transformers logo on it? Right. I can't believe this place is out of lids. <laughs> lids like right. the store. Yes. <laughs> you know, like where they, at the mall. You remember? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only, and, and the airport, I guess, in Pittsburgh. They're, why would you buy a hat at an airport? I don't know, but they have a We lids. have a hat emergency. <laughs> <laughs> I need some tax-free lids. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that has 10 episodes backed up in the port of Los Angeles. It's your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. <laughs> We're talking about supply chain management. How has supply chain affected you, Patrick? I Other I than just, the lids. Other, other than, than the, the lids. lids. I'm How curious. has supply chain affected me? Oh, my god! Because I feel like everyone's yelling about it, but then when I think about it, it's like, well, I still got apples, you know? Like, right? I can still go to the store, pick up pick up a, a bag of carrots. Like, I'm not... Pick up a bushel or a peck or a bushel and a peck? Yeah. A bushel and a peck. You know I mean that, that old song. There, I, I, I don't know if supply chain is to blame for all the things that I haven't been able to find at the store. But I wasn't able to find chocolate coins at the store. Really, you were looking. Night. You were actively looking for chocolate coins. Yes, because I'm so this is minister. this is game. this is an interesting thing because there are some candies out there that I've never sought out. Yeah, and yet they always find their way to me. Interesting. An example is jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> Like I've never gone to the store and been like, everyone out of my way! I right, get, get me to the jelly bean aisle, you know. And it better it better have its own dedicated aisle, otherwise yes. this is this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but chocolate coins are in the party section, by the way. And why are they not in the regular candy? No, section? No, next to party favors, because no. no one just no one just buys chocolate coins that's, in the candy section. It's that's not a grocery. Thing, that's the thing that upsets me about stores is when things don't go where they ought to go <laughs> so candy should be in the candy aisle i don't care what it's it's related to yeah uh uh, uh. there are what some things what go you're ahead. expressing is is the 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 fact that your brain doesn't think like an algorithm yeah yeah so like the reason stores i mean i'm sure back in the day chocolate coins were in the candy aisle but yeah with the chocolate but walmart walmart has 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 figured out that people who buy candy don't buy chocolate coins and people that mm-hmm. buy streamers are buying chocolate coins. They put the chocolate coins next to the streamers. So you go, oh, I should have chocolate coins for little Jimmy's birthday. Yes. I When I go to the store, let me know if you're like this. I stress Emma out when I go to the store <laughs> because I don't, she's very, uh, I would say, calculating uh-huh. in the most warm and gentle way possible. Um, she goes into the store and she looks at the list and she says, what do I need? And then she goes to each section and then gets everything she needs in that section before moving on to the next section. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I, when I go to the store it is a bit of a, uh, kamikaze just blitz <laughs> where, wherein I will have to return to the same aisle three times to get something. Cause I forget it, yeah. but I, but I do it just as fast. Really? Cause I don't race. Well, it's like a race. I don't like spending time in the store. So a lot of times I'll be like, all right, I need I need a couple of things. And this, the spices will be in the same aisle as the pasta. 
and I'll go down the aisle, I'll get the pasta, and I'll flip it around, I'll go over the other side and get the tortilla chips, and I realize, oh, crap, I need garlic powder. So I got to go back to the aisle with the pasta and get the garlic powder just because it's lower on the list, you know, like I just forget. Oh, I see. Like if, I, if it's not the thing, the item on the list currently, then it might as well not exist in my mind. I see. We you know? are, we organize the list based on section of the store. But then I like it goes back to the original thing. Then I put something like party coins on it, and I have to go like the section com- gets completely thrown out the the window. Well, I mean, we just divide it based on the two doors in Walmart, right? You have food and sure. not food. Food, yeah, and not food. Well, I mean, chocolate coins are on the not food, food and side. bikes. Food. And- <laughs> <laughs> and TVs. <laughs> TVs are never on the list, but yeah. So I, I go, I go to the food section. I go to the not food section first, and then we have. But the problem is, the problem is that the section, it, the, the the items on our on our shared Apple iPhone Note mm-hmm. that we share for our grocery list, hi, highly recommend. Yeah. Um, is produce, dairy, dry goods, and of mm. course, dry goods is like everything. <laughs> yeah, dry does it's dry like, goods include like. I need a Everything. pack of need a pack of undershirts like that goes into dry goods. <laughs> yeah, right. Non-perishable items like uh-huh. socks. <laughs> non non-perishable items, including but not limited to a new toaster. Like, <laughs> what? Hmm. So yeah, it, 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 the uh, and the other thing is once we've checked off an item, it just goes to the it goes to the bottom of the of the unchecked items. And so sometimes when I'm making a list, I just scroll through the history of everything we've ever bought and I just uncheck things. And that's how I make my grocery list. That's a good way to do it. It is a pretty good way to do it because that way that way I'm like I'm not like oh crap I forgot we're out of olive oil and I need olive oil for this thing because that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing is like you forget cooking items that you're like. I was going to make spaghetti, but now I can't saute the onions in olive oil. I love olive oil and I can never, I'm broken because I watched so many Gordon Ramsay videos like a year and a half ago. And I, now <laughs> so I can only say, just a just touch. Olive oil. <laughs> I can't say it properly. So Emma's olive like, oil. can you grab the olive oil? And I say, olive oil. Olive oil. <laughs> she just ignores me now. But the, speaking of Gordon Ramsay and going back to Norm MacDonald, there's that, did you ever see that video of Norm and, Gordon on Conan and they did no. a they did they did a cooking like segment uh-huh. <laughs> and Gordon <laughs> is trying to teach both Conan and Norm how to do this dish at the same time it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life because they keep Gordon keeps swearing and Norm keeps swearing and Conan keeps yelling at them both because he's worried that the segment's not going to air because they keep swearing so much it's <laughs> it is one of the funniest things that I've ever seen in my life like I I'd seen it a long time ago and then I saw it again, like when, when Norm died and I just, I watched it. I just cried. I cried laughing. I watched it like three times. These are, these are two people who have not had to worry about a standards and practices department for the Mm -hmm. last 15 years of their Mm -hmm. careers, respectively. Yeah. Oh man. It's pretty funny. I would encourage you to watch it. That's really funny. I got to check that out. I Norm every, every time you send me a Norm McDonald video, I enjoy Mm -hmm. it. Immensely. Yes, I tried. I tried telling the moth joke to Phoebe, and she was like, "That's just kind of sad." And I was like, "No, but you don't, <laughs> you don't get, it. get it. The light was on." <laughs> she got hung up on like the the yeah. the broken family part. She was mm-hmm. like, "That poor moth." <laughs> yes. Why does that moth have a cocked and loaded pistol on his bedside table? <laughs> Man, he must be really sad. No, yeah. you don't understand. The light was on. <laughs> the light was on, Phoebe. See a podiatrist. Yeah. You need a psychiatrist. I have um yeah, go I have ahead. good news. I have good news and bad news. Oh dear. The good news is I finally overcame a uh a, a mental block in oh. my my academic pursuits this semester. I just 
I couldn't, I couldn't get the, uh, I couldn't, my, my, my literature review topic was going to be a continuation from last semester on the diaconate. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't get myself to care enough about, <laughs> about it this time around. Dang. I was like, but I have to do it. I have to do it. The good news is I overcame that because I don't have to do it, right? Nobody's making me except for myself. The bad news is is that the um, the topic that I'm writing about is the church and state. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're probably going to be talking about that on podcasts soon. That's that's fine with me. That's what I'm going to be thinking about a lot. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm saddened that you've lost interest in your topic, but I'm encouraged that you have arrived to the same point on deacons that everybody else is at is that generally I can't muster up enough energy to really care. <laughs> no, no, no. So all. like the, 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 paper that I wrote, I, I think I just said my piece uh-huh. and I was like, this is my opinion on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it hasn't changed. Right. And there's really no need to elaborate further. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I, I send it to a friend who's like, who's like, I don't, I, I don't necessarily agree with you. I sent it to her and I was like, if you can come up with a really good argument, I'll, I'll reconsider my position, but mm-hmm. until that point, or unless it gets published and someone comes up and is like, Hey, you completely misunderstood ex theologian. I'll be like, fine. I'll re I'll revisit it. But, but for now I think I'm done. I just, I'm just, I was just like reading, I read the new poly magazine for fun. I was just like chilling. I was like, man, I should really be reading about the diaconate. And I was like, well, just why read about something that you don't care about right now? You know? Dang. That's such a good point. You know? Yeah, and, and yeah, because the the topic was supposed to be the development of the diaconate, so I wanted to like sure. go in depth to like the the historical mm-hmm. development of the diaconate. But the mm-hmm. problem is, then you have to read a bunch of people who are like, "Well, the original Greek meaning of the word diaconia," and I'm just like, "I literally don't care." Tell me what about diaconia means in Greek. It here's the thing, Ethan. Tell e- me about even it. if even if diaconia in Greek meant like circus clown, what uh-huh. would that mean for the usage of diaconia after Christ? Nothing. Nothing at all. Right. Nothing. So why why are so many people spending so much time parsing the etymology of the word diaconia? Because they actually don't have anything to write about. That's what it is. Because they're just waiting for you to come out with your dissertation on the history yeah. of the diaconate before they can actually say anything of substance. The word presbyter means elder. Do you think that priests should be old then? Is that your is that your seems argument? to be the case? Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> and, and 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 bishops mean overseer. So it's like it's like obviously the root of a bishop, episcopate doesn't it means overseer. So it's like obviously a bishop, the heart of what a bishop is is not his actor as an as not his his overseeing of priests. A bishop is a is a as a bishop even without priests. And so like diaconia might mean waiter, but it doesn't mean that the deacon is supposed to be like the servant of the priest or the bishop. I just someone wrote a whole book about it. Really? I'm just like I don't want to read that book. Yeah, well, don't yeah, read it. Really don't, don't read it. No, don't. I don't want to. I want to read about church and state, and I want to get really, really mad at Thomas Jefferson. That's what I want to do. Dang, there's a. Speaking of Thomas Jefferson, sure, a lot of people to be mad at in history. Yeah, a lot of people to be mad at. It's, I mean, quite a few I can think of. This is this is my <laughs> unironic. This is my slight transition into the topic, but we don't have to go all the way there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're we're easing in like like when you get into a hot tub for the first time you're like ooh and then you slide and you're like ah <laughs> <laughs> um hey thank you for listening to this episode of the crunch sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors we will be back right after this. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So I've been, I've been reading this book. I've been reading it a lot more. Uh, Characters of the Reformation by yeah. Belloc. I read it for like a couple hours yesterday. Um, and it's the reformation bunch of characters there are a lot of a lot of characters a lot of characters i just found myself every time i read a chapter just getting more and more mad (laughs) (laughs) i was like he did what oh my gosh he took what from the monks he took what because it's nuns here's especially about that period of time i don't know what your ap european history education was like but mine generally was um we, we watched this video about Henry VIII that was a spoof of an ABBA song. Do you know the one I'm talking about? No. It's Well, their song, uh, Money, Money, Money by ABBA. You ever heard of that one? <laughs> yeah. Henry, Henry, Henry had so many wives that had to die. Henry, Henry, Henry had so many, only one survived. Six wives in all, all the things they could do if they hadn't married Henry, that was their downfall. I, I, when you were saying that, I was reminded of, uh, uh-huh. I'm sorry, you weren't done. No, but I can stop for now. Otherwise, oh. I'll just keep going. Go ahead. Yeah. You you mentioned getting really really mad at history at yes. people in history, and yes. uh, it reminded me of an article that was written by Mark Barnes, um, who's this this blogger that I know about, and he mentioned it's it's a it's an article he wrote on the desire to shoot a drone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it's a little picture of an Amazon Prime robot, and uh-huh. uh, I think they make them look cute, so you don't want to kick them. But sure. But he's, we got to. He was talking about how he's like, he's like, I'm sitting in, I'm sitting at a coffee shop in Pittsburgh, and I just watched a drone walk by, and a guy like pretended to kick it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's it's funny because he mentions he mentions this. He's like this guy that I know is an incredible moral man, and he he's 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 great, and he's wise, and he's good. Um, they uh, they squat down on their haunches to talk to children. They tend to wake up early, though they don't go out of your way to tell you about that. And they are more amused by our evil world than morbidly offended, prone to offer a joke rather than a curse as a remedy. And I'm like, man, I wish. But for now, the podcast, I get mad. <laughs> Why is this? What was this? Oh, you're just saying like we ought to be humored at the at the history instead of angered by it. Yeah, offer, yeah. We, he says they're 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 more amused by the world's the world's evils than Damn. like angered by it. Yeah, that might be a more interesting topic than what I was going to say. I was I was thinking about that as a topic, but uh, I no, think, I think no, I, I think, think that's I don't good. I don't think we have enough wisdom on that because no, I just get, well, we can talk about how we desire to have more wisdom about it. Because here's the here's the rub. Okay, this is what I'm trying oh, yeah. to get to. Then we can circle back to your quote from the thing. Um, I'm reading this book. I'm getting mad. Right. Sure. All we learned about in AP European history was King Henry VIII had a wife, needed an heir, 
first wife, no heir, you know, only a daughter. Second wife, no heir, only a daughter. Third wife, no heir. I don't know if she had a daughter. Um, couple, And then the last one, wham, we finally got little Edward. Hooray, little Edward, finally born. Um, and the whole English Reformation thing is all cast in this light of this dude wanted to be married and the Pope wouldn't let him do what he wanted. And so we're gone. We're out of here. Yeah, and I remember that being cast as like a, man, wasn't the Pope mean? How dare he not grant this lustful this man despot uh <laughs> a divorce and like and then and then by and, and yeah i totally i totally remember this it was like yeah the pope just wouldn't relent and it's his fault all those women died and i'm like yeah. no it's not exactly it's the guy who killed him <laughs> yes uh yeah which is it's just crazy and that's like kind of you all know, we if were... you declare yourself the 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 leader of your own religion you can make it so that divorce is legal that's the thing but right. he didn't he was like, yeah, divorce is legal. Also, I'm going to kill him. Mm-hmm. That's a whammy. That's a double whammy. Yeah. I'm going to get so bored with them that I'm going to eliminate them uh, because I still have this strange notion of marriage between one man and one woman. Although I don't have to because I declared myself the supreme ruler of church and state in my country. <laughs> so I can just declare it to not be. So, but there's like, there's interesting. I didn't say it. I declared it. Right. The, so I'm mad about that. Right. And I'm mad about Thomas Cromwell, you know, taking this kind of split Thomas Cramer and Thomas Cromwell, uh, taking this opportunity where the, they're, they're encouraging him to get a divorce and Anne Boleyn is taking advantage of Henry. And she's kind of just like a power grabbing woman and, uh, a social ladder climber, if you will. And Cramer, Thomas Cramer, a lot of people don't know this. Thomas Cramer was Anne Boleyn's, uh, like chaplain, like her family chaplain. So they really? were kind of working together to get around uh, Henry VIII. And Thomas Cranmer became the first Protestant Archbishop of Canterbury, um, which is... I, I remember this. Right, which yeah. is kind of the most the most powerful bishopric in, uh, in England at the time. And so she's maneuvering so she can marry the queen. He's maneuvering so that he can become this great... Big bishop boy, yeah. Big bishop, because he, he actively hated the, the mass and the you know, the Eucharist and all of those things and wanted to get rid of them because he had read the reformers and agreed with them or like mm-hmm. Zwing- he was in contact with Zwingli. And so he was the only one that kind of like actually just understood the ref, like was a true reformer in the actual sense. Uh, and then Thomas Cromwell saw all this happening and said, this would be a great opportunity for me and all of my friends to get really rich. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what happened all across, like not just in England, but all across France and Germany and Spain and the Netherlands, like all of these places that were so traditionally Catholic, essentially it was like there were a couple of monarchs and a couple of nobles that really like held firm to the faith. But then there was always, wherever the Reformation happened, there was always a group of dudes who took this opportunity and all this social upheaval as an opportunity to just seize wealth that was not theirs. Uh, and that's the root at, of which, why... Uh, which another word for what you described uh, might be called stealing. Stealing, Yes. <laughs> And that's why it was so difficult for the counter-reformation, quote-unquote, to be successful, because there were a lot of Catholic people and Protestant people who were sympathetic with the Catholic cause that had become millionaires, basically, overnight. And if they were to uh, agree that the Catholic Church was correct, then they would have to give those lands and the wealth back to the church. Which is not, uh, it's kind of a disincentivized And so, like, no one, like, that just was never, ever taught. And so it makes me frustrated that there were 
first of all, that I was lied to. <laughs> yeah. And second of all, that like, I don't know if you ever have this, like when you're reading the gospels or just anything about history and you see someone do something that you're like, dang it, that, that really ruined it. Like that messed it up in that moment. Like Judas Frick, come on. You could have done doing? better. Yeah. You could have done better. Um, or like the rich young man, you know, like this guy who was like, come on, you know, or you read these things about you know people persecuting Christians and Christians betraying, you know, the faith and all these things. And then you get later, like the more modern history, just seeing like one thing, I'm sure we'll talk about this when you research church and state stuff, but when King Henry VIII declared himself to be the, 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 the ruler of all of church and all of state in the England, head honcho, yeah. the head honcho of everything. What he, what he effectively was doing was saying, Integralism, right? It was great. Well, this is, this is kind of connected with the other thing that I texted you about. He's basically saying like, I, my country and my nation is independent of any kind of moral law other than what England decides moral law to be. Um, and he kind of established this and then his grandson or great grandson, James the first really solidified it. And that's when we started hearing about the divine right of Kings, quote unquote, um, and so that kind of took hold throughout all throughout Europe and led to lots of crazy things. So instead of it being like Christendom where everyone was kind of subject to, even if they had disagreements, they were all subject to the same moral law. You have each individual nation deciding, you know, what's, what's moral and what's immoral in their own realm. And there was no longer any room for the church to come in and say, Hey, uh, that's, what's not right. Right. That's like against all the things that we believe in. And it's interesting that, Belloc talks about this. It's just kind of in a in a passing comment of just how in 1936 when he wrote that book, he said there's no international governing moral body anymore, uh, and this will probably lead to the end of civilization if things keep going as they are. And uh, you know what started three years after that? What was that? Uh, World War Two. Oh gosh, <laughs> right. Like, and why did that occur? Because of intense nationalism and a yeah. lack of other countries telling Germany, Hey, you got your cut it out. Stop. <laughs> stop. Right. And then it, and then they didn't stop and there was no, no way to keep them in check. And then what did we have to establish after world war two, the United nations and hence, well, my, the league of nations, no, the league world of nations after world war one. And then well, we, 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 I, th- I thought NATO was about world war two. Maybe when was the United nations founded? That's an interesting. I don't know. I thought it was after world war. Maybe I'm wrong. The world, the world wars. Well, I, I took a, I took a, uh, I took a, a, a 1945. Yeah, it happened after oh after World War II. Cool. Um, uh, I I uh, I took a I took a test. You know Gallup's uh, Clifton Strengths. You ever heard of this thing? Mm-mm. It's like a, it's like an in depth personality test. It's like there's 34 themes of talent, and you take this test that organizes your 34 themes in order of like what what's the most prominent to what's the least prominent. Okay, it's pretty cool. Um, and uh, one of the questions on the test was, I frequently think about the causes of world wars. And I was like, oh boy, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have a podcast where we bring it up pretty much every month at yes, minimum. <laughs> at minimum. And I was like, what a specific question, huh? <laughs> um, but it's it's funny because like I was talking to Phoebe about this the other day. I was like, man, the amount of times, the amount of times as a, as a teenager, I had to like answer for the Catholic Church in my world history mm-hmm. class when it came mm-hmm. to the Crusades and the yeah. Galilean controversy. Yes. When I could have just looked at my history teacher and been like, okay, liberalism has to account for two world wars and communism. Yes. That is worse. It is worse. <laughs> That's worse. So much worse. And I, I just, it's it's this, um, and what's funny is that we were, I was learning this narrative. I mean, this is, I'm still not over 
how upset I am about like the historical narrative that I was given in high school versus the one that I kind of came to understand later in life. But what really bugs me is that during the, during when I was learning that historical narrative, or it wasn't really a narrative. It was like, I'm learning facts about history because that's what history Mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. And history is about like omitting certain facts and emphasizing others, uh, de-emphasizing and emphasizing. And one thing that, while I was learning the the traditional historical Western and pretty much very anti-Catholic and somewhat pro-Protestant uh, narrative, we were also hearing people say, well, history is written by the victors. Mm-hmm. And never once did I stop and think and be like, okay, how is this historical narrative being shaped by the ideological victors of our age? Like, mm-hmm. it's very clear that the Catholic Church is not an ideological victor. And like, I... I would have conversations with with people and they'd be like, oh, but like the Catholic Church is like a victor. And so like they wrote a lot of our our understanding of history. No. Yeah, but like, sure, they may have in the past, Mm -hmm. but it's not anymore. Not in the last 500 years. The Pope used to be the guy who crowned emperors. Right. And now he is a little man who comes out on the porch and says, hello, Hello, everybody. Hey, look at me. (laughs) I'm a Pope. You cannot pray in Latin anymore. Uh, I'm the other, I'm from the other side of the world I'm instead the of Italy, side, but man. I still speak the Italiano, but also in the <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> There's the 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 papal states used to exist. Yeah, <laughs> they no longer exist. I mean, if you just think about the hey, you know what might not have happened if we had never lost the papal states? Uh, Italian fascism. Italian fascism. German I don't want fascism. I don't well, maybe German fascism, but if the Holy Roman Empire never fell well, on, there wouldn't have been a Germany. Well, definitely German fascism, because the only reason that Otto von Bismarck did what he did in the first place is because some French prime minister hired the king of Sweden to make war on Ferdinand II. <laughs> <laughs> Why does nobody ever talk about Ferdinand II? Nobody ever talks about how Ferdinand II was going to reunite all of Catholic mainland Europe uh, because he was the emperor of the the Germanic I don't know what you call it, the Germanic kingdom. And it was the Holy uh, was, Roman Empire. It was the Holy Roman Empire. He was he was in union with Spain. He was in union with uh they were supposed to be in union with England, but then they weren't anymore because the old emperor's aunt was Henry's first wife, which is another thing that we don't talk about. Like there there was a political motivation for the Protestants to get rid of Henry's first wife because she had connections with mainland Catholic Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So but he was gonna do this and then the French Prime Minister was like, "Man, you you guys are getting a little too powerful, and like we're over here and we're Protestant. We're you're over there, and you're uh, and some actually some of France is Protestant. You know, a significant minority that are very rich people are uh, Protestant because we seized we stole all the lands. Um, so I'm gonna hire the military genius Gustavus Adolphus to uh, attack you, and the only reason that all of the Holy Roman Empire didn't get completely wiped out is because he got accidentally killed in battle, and so." It's, and then the the whole reason that Bismarck had to come in and do his thing later and try to reunite reunite all of Germany is because the Protestants had attacked Germany in the first place. It would have been united under Christendom, yeah. you know, and so they didn't need to be. So Otto von Bismarck united it and then became president and then they lost it after World War One and then that's trying to you know. That's a North. That's a great impression of Norm Macdonald's great impression of Hitler. I know. I um. It's just crazy. 
I, I was reading an article about church and state and it was talking about like the, the, the uh, hypothetical situation of like st- uh, states declaring a national religion. He was like, and the guy mm-hmm. was like, well, it may work in traditionally Catholic, specifically in the Catholic, uh, Catholic sphere. And he's like, it may work in traditionally Catholic countries like Spain and Portugal, but it wouldn't work in other, ca- other countries that aren't traditionally Catholic. I'm like, what do you mean? Traditionally? How, how far back, how far back are we going? <laughs> I mean, other if you want to go, go back like a thousand years, everybody was Catholic. If you want to go back three thousand years, no one was Catholic. So, yeah, how, I mean, how if traditional other, you other than here? like Asia, like China, Japan, the Far East, the, the Korean Peninsula, yeah, the Far East, um, and then like the indigenous places of America and Australia, like everybody was Catholic, you know, <laughs> everybody. And so it's just kind of nuts. Like, imagine if we were able to put all of our missionary efforts into evangelizing the Far East <laughs> instead right? of having to uh, wage war with the Protestants who were stealing church lands. Like, okay, I'm not going to get into this anymore because it, it's very upsetting. But exactly. I want to go back to your, your original thing. Now that I've kind of laid out, like, here's all the things that I've been reading about and getting frustrated about. Um, it's hard for me to um, just accept the hand that we've been dealt you yeah, know? it's kind of like, like I don't want this. I want the thing that was supposed to happen. Right. And I don't mean this in like, you know, we have to restore the traditional liturgy and that's why like I'm not that's not the solution to no, this Vatican problem. Vatican II was going to happen whether the Protestants existed or not. I don't yes. Know, uh, well, <laughs> who knows, but <laughs> uh and so I'm curious other than you know the I I don't want to fall into the same category as um I don't know when a lot of because I feel like what I'm doing is just doing what a lot of other people do about other issues, particularly maybe like race and just say, well, educate yourself. And when you educate yourself, then you'll you'll understand and you won't have all these wrong opinions about things anymore. Like, I don't want people to just quote unquote. Google is free. I don't want you to educate yourself and then just know the wrong thing or know the correct thing from the wrong thing. And that will make me feel like I'm not trying to to feel better. But personally, um, what should our how do we look at this history and look at here's, here's what Catholicism was and we very much see what it is now. And yes, we have to go like that book that we just talked about a couple of weeks ago from Christendom to apostolic mission. We have to recognize that we're not in Christendom anymore. Um, but I'm, I'm hesitant cause it's, do we have to admit that Christendom was like bad, you know, that we would be, we're certainly like worse off, like we'd be worse off today if we had Christendom as opposed to what we have now. Like, I feel like sometimes we get guilted into thinking like, well, that was before and now is now. And so it's, this yeah. is how it has to be. Yeah. You know, like there's that, kind of gaslighted. Yeah. It's that, that, that like joke, that joke uh, of like, oh, this is what the world would look like if Christianity had never existed. It's like, as if, as if Christianity was like this, uh, the world was, the world was great. You know, we were, we were, we were, and then uh-huh. we were, we had technological developments and then, you know, nothing because christianity and then all of a sudden we were like nope we like science now and now we're enlightened it's it's crazy because like you think about the early middle ages and they had like little to no farming technology and then monks got together and they're like our job is to pray and think about the ground and then they were like here's you guys do you ever hear hear about like about crop cycling and then all of a sudden boom wham agriculture and it's like there's so much there's (laughs) so much that christianity gave the world just because like 
we had a better relationship with the world around mm-hmm, us and mm-hmm. and uh and, and grace was working and you know things were doing well and of course human like human human brokenness and evil still made its way into christendom that's not yeah but it's like it, it unfortunately the the unfortunate narrative and it's so hard to break people out of this so hard to like bring it up like how how much are you blaming christianity for human weakness like mm-hmm. why why are you why are you ascribing human weakness like oh the human weakness part of like why these why these catholic kings were awful mm-hmm. why are you ascribing that to to christianity and not human weakness you know we don't we don't do the same thing to the law in the old testament you know the, the old testament writers didn't do that to the the judean kings who were who sucked he was like they were like yeah these guys were not good and holy people and therefore they were bad and they made right. the kingdom worse and they did awful things and it's like we similarly mm-hmm. looking at the old kings and, and and queens and being like hey the they did bad things they did good things you know and do you think that know. we have like a catholic uh, inferiority complex wherein we feel the need to like it, we feel bad uh uh what do you say like advocating for the return of a christendom-esque uh system because it wasn't perfect and we feel like we can only advocate for systems and people that are perfect because because cancel culture etc cetera, etc cetera. well i think i think that's i think you bring up a good point is that uh if you are to challenge the liberal view of how the world is supposed to be governed in the structure, you need to present a perfect alternative because mm-hmm. liberalism is presented as perfection. I, yeah. And so we're all, we're already like when you propose any kind of different way of governance or interaction between church and state, you are already coming off of um, like your, your, your position is already yeah. weakened compared to what the other side is presenting themselves. as. What you should do is you should judge uh, based on the system, you should you should have the system put itself on trial, right? You should have the system of political thought put itself on trial. Okay, mm. uh, this this king was not uh, was was bad. He started a bad crusade, okay, and he when he killed people so that he could get money. Great. Uh, his professed ideological system is Christianity. Is that consistent with Christianity? Nope. Okay, so he's acting outside of his professed belief system. Let's let's uh let's interrogate liberalism based on its own belief system. <laughs> liberalism believes in a in a in a marketplace of ideas. Great. Okay. But if you have if you if you say and I, I don't I don't agree with this position that you think that the uh the church should govern the state. I don't I don't agree with that. But if you were to say that you would get absolutely lambasted and be like that's wrong, that's evil that could never work. Um, but the Vatican city is that exact situation. So it's like, are you saying it can't even work in Vatican city? It's like, cause it's working right now. It's working right now. Uh, they have a post office and, um, no supply chain issues. I'm just and, kidding. And they have, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And they have, but have you seen their post office? And they, have, <laughs> they have a couple of bathrooms and then there's that post office again, you know, um, they have a, they, we, they have, that's great. They have a bunch of nuns. Yeah. And they have uh, they have a grandpa, and it's Pope Francis, yes. universal grandpa. There's universal universal grandpa is Benedict. Let's be honest. You're so right. You're so right. <laughs> Pope Francis is universal great uncle Francis. Right? He is. He is kind of the great uncle. We all love him, you know. Grandpa. But yeah. uh, but, but it's like grandpa. he's he's from out of town. He wasn't. He didn't grow up here. <laughs> you know. That's actually that's true. He's not from Europe. <laughs> yeah, he's not from Europe. Uh, he wasn't. 
on the scene, as it were, for as long as Benedict and JP2 to, we were. Need to, uh, we need to straighten up America if we ever want an American pope. We really got to, like... We're, I don't think we're going to see one while we're alive, unfortunately. And if know. we And if we do, it's going to be someone like... I don't know. Some guy. Some dude. It's just some dude. Just some bureaucrat. I I I don't I don't know I don't know if the American West is ready for an American Pope because like think of all the think pieces. Ugh. Think of all like the think of no. all the all the yeah, all the New bad. York Times op eds. Yeah. Ooh. You know? Yeah. I I'm still kind of just stuck on this of like I'm kind of living in this what if world. Sure. Which I think is fun to explore every now and again. Um surely we aren't the only ones to who have read about these things. <laughs> this can't just be us. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just kind of curious like we should have a priest and or a bishop on at some point. Like have you do you remember what like Catholicism for the longest time, for like a thousand years, was this had this symbiotic relationship with the rest of society, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it wasn't they weren't opposed, nor was it a separate thing that you that you had to create a niche for. It was all kind of the market worked with the church, and the church worked with charity, and then charity worked with governance, and then governance worked back with the church. Like at all all sectors of life. Uh, we're all integrated. Supposedly. Uh, I'm not actually sure if that if that worked 100% of the time. But Well, I mean, what else would have happened? Like, I'm just trying to imagine. That's true. It had to it had to at least have been, you know, sustainable. There had to have been at least some semblance of, of right. homeostasis. Yeah, because it's... Within the... Yeah. Because it lasted for so long, right? Like, there's, there's no way that it could have lasted for as long as it did if it didn't work. And there's well, no there way it could have... You will know them by their fruits, right? The the mass increase of wealth, the mass increase of uh, technological advances, the increases in quality of life, um, it just like dignity of the way that people were treated, you know? May I remind you, uh, no slavery. <laughs> Again, let us let us be clear. Some guy tried to tell me that the church was responsible for Slavic slavery in the Middle Ages, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But it doesn't sound correct. <laughs> it doesn't sound correct. Also, let's let's say for a moment that that's true. Again, like I say, like uh, working within someone's stated belief system. Mm-hmm. Let's see what Catholicism. Okay, slavery not good within the Catholic belief system. Those people were acting in bad faith. They were not acting in good faith. Let's uh, let's let's look at the let's look at the liberal belief system. Uh, the liberal belief system was created, and then they were like, let's go take people. Um, maybe that might be inherent to the belief system. Yeah. I don't know. Well, what I was saying. That's probably not fair to say. I retract that. I don't. That's I don't right. wanna, I don't want to get all. I'll edit it out. Weird. Thank you. <laughs> but I'm. I'm asking. I'm just curious that like, do priests ever feel like they're? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a of a position in society that maybe is comparable. It'd be like maybe one day, probably in the next fifty years, when we completely outsource something like firefighting to robots. You know, like <laughs> yeah, we don't. Sure. <laughs> And and they still need a guy kind of like to sit at the station to, you know, accept the flowers that people bring or whatever. Um, and he's like, he's a firefighter and he wanted to be a firefighter, but then he realizes that his job has been eclipsed by technology or some other thing. 
And when he's sitting there as a firefighter, he's, he's got to be thinking, this is not like, I'm not doing the, the thing that my role was designed for, right? I am an administrator <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think about that with like priests today. If you think about what was my role designed for? Like, what was the role of the priest designed for? What I do. Yeah. Like it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. And then they, they're, they're stuck in this administrative, you know, whatever. And I just can't help but ask or think or wonder, like, do you, do priests ever feel that? Like where they just are sitting there and be like, this isn't what I'm doing now is not what priests did for most of the time. <laughs> Well, there were there were there were uh, priests in administrative roles back in the day. You know, someone had to watch Certainly. over those ecclesial prisons. I had a friend. I was talking <laughs> to a friend about what Christendom looked like, yeah. and I was talking to him about ecclesial prisons and how like parishes had uh, you could go to church jail, church jail, and it blew. He was he was pissed. He was like, I can't believe that happened. And I was like, Look, I was like, Look, it sounds stupid and ridiculous to us, okay? But what's detention? It's school jail. School jail. Okay. It and and what's and what's uh what's uh what's 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 like getting uh what's time off without pay? That's work jail. Okay. Every everybody every, everybody has their own systems of punishment what's, and reward. What's, what's going to the DMV to get your tag renewed? It's car jail. Car jail. Car jail. <laughs> getting your car about a car what's, jail. What's what is what is spending some time in the clink because you're speeding? That's also car jail. <laughs> Overcooked chicken, right to jail. Undercooked fish, right to jail. Overcooked under. Um, apparently back back in the day, Christendom there was um, there was a there was a schedule of fees. So like if you if you violated church law, you would have to pay a fee to the mm-hmm. to the diocese or to the or to the uh, or to the pope. There might have been an archdiocese in there somewhere, but but like if you uh, if you said if you said a, a mass um, outside of your 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 and boundary without permission boom fee uh if you if you you if you wanted to get an annulment you had to pay a fee if you wanted to get married you had to pay a fee and it was like that that was how the church like paid for its its mm-hmm. itself um and now like the idea of having to pay for an annulment it would be people would get oh, upset yeah. they, would, they, they would, would riot they yeah. would riot yeah and it's funny because it's like why but we had to we had to pay fees to get married didn't we Ethan? uh to, <laughs> to you had to pay for the church and you had to pay for the the uh, yeah. the wedding coordinator and I was like, why do I have to pay to get married? But I don't have to get paid. I don't have to pay to to say that I didn't get married. Um, but then I, I realized people would just uh, people would just divorce and not get an annulment, and it'd be sad. Um, but yeah, it's it's just we we have it. We have to understand that. Like, I think something that we have to understand, you and me, is that never mind. From sorry, Christendom gonna, to administrative mission. I'm going to tell other people what they have to understand. Then I'm going to say what I have to understand. I All think right, what other good. people have to understand is our historical our historical view is one way, and the way other people viewed the world in the past is different. And if we were truly liberal, oh no, if we if we had a truly liberal mindset, we would allow them that. We would say it's okay that you established ecclesial prisons and a system of fines and taxes for the church. It's okay that you did that because it was a different time. You know. Mm-hmm. You know when people say it was a different time when people talk about 2006 and how they made a joke disparaging gay people? And they're like, ah, oh, it was a different time. Was a different that was time. not a different time. That was 2006. 1587 was a different time. <laughs> right. Imagine the jokes they made about gay people then. <laughs> I feel like they didn't make I mean, like, I don't know. That's true. You're probably right. They probably didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, like, 
it's it's a different it's a different system it's a different society it's a different culture i think what you and i have to understand though is that we can't just reintroduce yeah the yeah. we can't just we can't be like oh since that was christendom and that's what christendom looked like we have to reintroduce ecclesial prisons if we yes. want everyone to be catholic again like yes. that's that's uh that's putting the that's putting the the cart before the ecclesial horse if you will yes and uh it's it's just the 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 whole point of 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 the the thing that attracted me to post liberalism was this. It's not something that says we gotta we gotta go we got it's like not Doc Brown running out of the woods going, We have to go back, Marty. You know, it's just like it's it's accepting the good that came from liberalism mm-hmm. and and moving it moving it into something that's more Catholic yeah. than it was. That's why it's post-liberalism and not something completely different like integralism. Yes. This is what my this is what my paper is about. It's about integralism, liberalism, and post-liberalism. I'm so happy for you. I'm really excited to write about it. <laughs> I'm thinking now that the... Because for a lot of people, like when you, when you talk about why did you convert to Catholicism from whatever you were before, a lot of people, the answer is, well... Things like the Eucharist, um, things like some people convert because of the beauty of the Marian devotion. Um, some people convert because they say like, well, it was the intellectual tradition. And some people just say flat out like, you know, the, it's hard to argue with 2000 years of, of Christianity, right? Like in an unbroken succession, like apostolic succession for a lot of people is the, the thing that kind of keeps them anchored. It's like, well a lot of things sucked, but I can trace this guy back to this guy, back to this guy, back to Jesus. And I'll be able to keep doing that. And that's, that's a really big thing. And so what I'm thinking is as we move forward into the future and we're trying to evangelize and we're trying to speak with Protestants and speak with people who have the liberal worldview, I think it's just, we have to make sure that we're knowledgeable about like what truly went down, you know? And I feel like it's, it's frustrating that we've all been kind of robbed of this. Um, because when you s- suggest to people and say, oh, well, this is what Christendom was like, their initial response is like, no way that would never work. Uh, because a lot of times we don't even fully understand it. Don't really, like, uh, even on this podcast, right? It's exposing the things that we don't fully understand. Yeah, because Christendom isn't, isn't one un- united, unique, 1,000-year-old uh-huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, tradition like the the advent of it's like it, roman imperialism which is different than british imperialism in the 1800s is is part of that and then you have like this can this this split roman empire is the polity and then you have the you have like you, later you have like feudalism in there and it's like all of these things are different are different ways to organize the the secular right. the secular realm and so it's like we we can't just say because christendom evolved mm-hmm so we need to understand that like what the future of Catholic polity looks like is also sure. going to evolve. I think even just suggesting to people that, yes, it is possible that faith and culture and the state can all be cohesive. Cause I think so many people, the reason that they don't even consider faith is because they don't see it as cohesive with their, their two other gods, which are the culture and politics. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, well, this God is the most demanding and the most non-cohesive with my other two gods. So I'm going to kick this one out and just be a dual theist. Just, <laughs> just, just 
uh, culture and politics. And that's all I need. And that's really where most people are today. And so if we understand better, how is this, how could this actually work? How does this make sense for just your average person? How does it make sense as you move up the chain of hierarchy of people who are in charge and not in charge? I don't really have like a clear, you know, everyone should read these books. And then when we, when we all read these books then we'll all know, but if the Catholics who desire to evangelize seriously, take the time to learn, okay, what really has happened? Um, and like, what is the, that's kind of what our exercise in all these things of, uh, liberalism and, uh, understanding history and understanding just the changes of ideas. I think that's why it's so important. It's why it's encouraged me to keep reading on my own because, I just want to know like what happened. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like most of us, we just don't know what happened. We're like, well, I know that I'm Catholic and I know that there's this unbroken succession. And that means that every other Protestant is wrong. And that's just not good enough for most people. Like there is an argument to be made, like an evangelical argument from the basis of history. Like you can make arguments for the existence of God based on history. Like if you argue for the resurrection of Jesus from a historical perspective, that would prove that God exists, right? If you can yes. prove it historically, you know? So like there are, it's legitimate to point at history and say, well, it seems most fitting that Catholicism be the religion that mankind belongs to because mankind most flourished under Catholicism, you know? And like, that's, that's not a bad argument. We just need to learn it and be able to defend it. Jeez, man. I'm just trying to think about how that would go over. If I like, like, you know, (laughs) sitting at a bar with someone and be like, Hey, you know what? Mankind most flourished under Catholicism we should make everyone be Catholic. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, man, I, the, the Catholicism is great. I, I, you, <laughs> you, uh, you texted me, you texted me yesterday about the UN. Uh-huh. Um, I want to read it in full because I thought it was an incredible, <laughs> I thought it was an incredible, uh, an incredible text. Occasionally Ethan will just send me these texts that I'm just like, Oh crap. He's right. Uh, yesterday, eight seventeen PM during life teen. Uh, realizing that the UN is just a crappy version of the international moral authority that was held by the church until the Protestant Reformation. Bummer. (laughs) (laughs) And you're right. It's like, you want to talk about a United Nations? Let's talk about the Catholic Church, you know? Mm -hmm. This is is what people don't get is like, well, this is what I don't get, is that we're so so American-centered. We think that like church-state unity means the church controlling what America does. Think about how many nations there are in the united nations do you does the Mm -hmm. united nations control what every nation does kind of but it's like more and more and more and more but but like i mean could you imagine if the if if every uh if every president was being controlled by the pope right he has to get approval from the pope for everything oh my Mm -hmm. gosh that would take so long that would take so long like presidents and prime ministers and like submitting legislation to the pope and saying hey this is what like we basically have a church state relationship with the United Nations. I think that's, that was exactly my point is that yeah. this is why I was talking about it earlier, like after world war two, because we didn't have, this was Belloc's point back in 36. He was saying right now we don't have any kind of international le- like legislative or moral body governing things the way that the church was. And he saw this as bad. He was like, this is going to go, everyone's getting more and more nationalistic. Everyone's getting more and more independent. There's no way to regulate excesses or defects in a nation and like, then world war ii happened or this is and happened? then and then world war ii happened oh, great. right okay yeah <laughs> so we clearly see that he was correct and wow. then united signs nations of the are, hilaire signs of the times, times Belloc, Belloc, man. Oof. right 
And then you have the the United Nations being founded in 45 and it just points to the 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 recognition albeit in a kind of an agnostic atheistic way by human beings saying, "Well, we got rid of the thing that was keeping us all united." Um so we need to recreate it in our own image after our own likeness <laughs> with five with five states holding veto power. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's if you think about it, it's very. I mean, it's comparable, right? Because the the Pope kind of has that the speaking infallibly, right, on matters of faith and morals, and uh, China, Russia, the United States, France, United and Kingdom, and yeah. France, yeah, are all also kind of hold that power in like a weird secular way. Because they're the most important, right? <laughs> and they and they always will be. <laughs> uh, so it's just it's interesting to me that um, the we have this desire in us for something that's bigger than a nation yeah, to help all of humanity achieve what is moral and good. And yet we see like when you create a false church, right? If you look at the UN and kind of all of the think tanks and organizations that it spawned, it's like, Oh, well that didn't really work because <laughs> it wasn't yeah. founded on anything other than post world war two optimism. Were you ever part of the future problem solvers? Thing. I don't I don't know what that is. So it was in elementary school. I was part of this thing called Future Problem Solvers, and it was like oh, a, you would so go cute. to these little you would go to these little uh, these little conventions, and it was like Odyssey of the Mind. You ever hear about that? I don't know what that is. Oh know. man, this oh, must geez. be a Florida thing, dude. No, it wasn't a Florida thing. So so you would you would uh, you would go to these like Odyssey of the Mind was like you, you had to it was it was basically like uh, like creativity competition, a mental okay. creativity competition, and Future Problem Solvers would give you this like it would give you this scenario. Mm-hmm. Of okay, so in the future there's this problem, and you have to come up with creative means of solving this problem. And you would you would you and your five team members would put together like a like a like a presentation to like how we're going to solve this problem. And and like looking back, I was like, oh my gosh, they were training us to be part of think tanks. That's uh-huh. insane. That's what think tanks do, and that's not a bad thing. But like, it well, was, right? You think it is? I mean, I don't, I don't trust a think tank, an unregulated think tank. Let's sure. just say that. And most of them are unregulated. They're just they're they're funded by Peter Thiel and uh, George Soros. And it's like, yeah. all right, this is is this what we're doing now? We're just going to let really rich guys who don't believe in God do this? Just pay money for people to come up with ideas. But it, it was an it was an interesting situation. It was an interesting experiment because it was like it it was also running through. I mean, it was it was also coming up with problems like, oh hey, they someone establishes this new technology what could go wrong what can we do to prevent this new technology from from ruining society right and i was like man if only people had done that with the internet and the iphone and the facebook <laughs> and the youtube if only we had done this mm-hmm. um and and but but it's it's interesting because that is kind of a function that the church provided right like with humana mm-hmm. vitae and and contraception hey contraception may may cause these problems and then is right. I mean, imagine a think tank that was guided by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's called Vatican II. Vatican II, yeah. Um, I man, oh jeez. And Vatican One, and uh, Council of Trent. Are, are you, all are the you other saying councils, the ecumenical councils are think tanks, Ethan? <laughs> I'm saying the ecumenical councils could be compared to think tanks under certain conditions. I think think tanks are just what we want. What ecumenical? We want our own secular version of ecumenical councils. I was I think um, closer to what a think tank is in the history of the church is the original university. Because it wasn't tied to any particular location, it was just a group of people who are all studying truth together. Yeah, 
Um, so yes, the church did found the university system, which is really a think tank. I, I have been thinking about the UN for the past couple of weeks because I was listening to this podcast, a conspiracy oh, theory podcast, and they went, uh, they went back in the day and they were listening to this guy, this conspiracy theorist talk about the UN in 2003. And he was like, yep, that's the plan folks. Hillary Clinton's going to become president and Bill Clinton's going to become the secretary general of the United Nations. And they were like laughing. That'd be awful. At the idea of they were, he, they were like, no way in hell would a you former United States president get elected to be the secretary general of the United Nations. That's crazy because like, again, they have to pass veto power from four. But I was like, I was thinking about it and I was like, under these conditions, sure. Because they were saying part of the UN's veto committee is like, oh, the United States isn't the bit, the primary nation, but it's like, it's very clear that we view ourselves that way. And so it's like, it's not, it's not unimaginable that in the future, a former U S president gets elected to the general, the, uh, the general secretary of the United nations. You know, that's not, that's not, that's not crazy. I mean, the only thing stopping yeah. that right now is China and Russia and that could change. You know, that's, that's not that it could. And like, I mean, we're not, we're not here to like talk about that, but it's the, the, the funny thing is, I think, I think the, uh, this just this just solidifies my 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 hypothesis that the 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 United States of America really wants to be the Catholic Church. And that's a whole other can of worms that you just opened up. Sorry, probably smelly now. No, no. I yeah, think I'm, I yeah. think we should bring Jacob Imam on the podcast from New Poly. I feel like. I would be. It would, everyone would realize how stupid we both are if we brought Jacob Imam on the podcast. We, I'll, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. I'll be like, "Hey, Jacob, we want you to come on the podcast, and we want you to like actually talk about post liberalism with our listeners, so they know what's what." Oh wait! Oh my gosh! I can't believe I forgot to mention this last time. Oh dear! We have a discount code with New Polity now. Oh sweet! Am yeah, I getting so my, my magazine subscription in the mail? I you can you can get you can get ten percent off a subscription to New Polity uh, Journal of of post liberal thought. Um, you can also get discounts on they have video courses that are really good. I got access to the Dr. Logan Gage one on uh, on scientism when I, I interviewed Dr. Logan Gage, uh, a professor at Franciscan and part of New Polity. I interviewed him like way back in the day. Uh, when I first heard about New Polity, and we talked about scientism, and his course on scientism is really good. You can get a discount on that. You can also get a discount on Mark Barnes's uh, course on queer theory and the Catholic response to queer theory. It's very good. It's very good. I will say before we uh, before Patrick keeps begging New Polity to let them be a part, him be a part of their group. I really want to um, be a part of it. <laughs> let me in. <laughs> Just keep just keep mentioning them enough, and then eventually they'll be like, "Ah, come on, ah, in come here. on in. You're good. You're good. Yeah. You're 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 the you're the, you'll be the dumbest person in the room. Get your ass in here." <laughs> okay, it's not a, it's not a URL. You have to use the discount code uh, Crunch, I believe. Let me double check that. Discount code Crunch at checkout to let them know we sent you. Let them know we sent you. What I want to say before we move on to Doctor Ethan's dating corner is uh, my desire is to continue learning more and more about these things. One day I would love, 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 love to have a uh, standalone narrative podcast wherein I start from some point that makes sense, probably William of Ockham, and walk through all of the things that led up to the Protestant Reformation, what actually happened in the Protestant Reformation, and then 
everything that occurred afterwards because I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we miss out on and don't understand and I don't understand it and I've read maybe like two or three books to begin to understand it mm-hmm. but I need to read probably like 10 to 15 more to really start grasping it two great books then, to start with two big two great yeah. books to start with uh have you read 10 books that screwed up the world no i haven't it's on my list but Very it's so expensive when i look for it like it's that's 40 bucks that's um that's a book that i read when i was a sophomore and it kind of it kind of kicked me off on this on this journey i didn't realize i would rather was... just read the 10 books rather than read a book about the 10 books no no no, no. you want to read a book about the 10 books you no really you want to read you want to read uh coming of age in american samoa uh yes uh, Basically, the Fifty Shades of Grey of, of anthropology. Yes. You want to read Mein Kampf, Ethan? Yes. It's, Mein Kampf is basically like, what if Twitter didn't have a character limit? That's what Mein Kampf is. <laughs> that was a really good burn, wasn't it? I'm sure it was really, yes, yeah, someone's rolling in his grave. That was pretty good. Um, uh, whoever, whoever wrote that yeah, one. Yeah, take that one, Hitler. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, we really showed him. Uh Oh yeah, the coupon code is the crunch. By the way, don't okay. don't forget the the. What I'm saying is, what's the other book before I keep? Going? Oh, uh, politicizing the Bible. I'm sure you've heard of that one. I would just want to read books about history. I'm not really interested in books about books about history. That politicizing the Bible is about history. Ethan. I don't want to read about the Bible. All right, Ethan, 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 Ethan. <laughs> what the Bible think, is all just think? a bunch of names and phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? they used to do protestantism <laughs> they didn't use church documents they used the bible they used the bible and a, a narrative history starting with william of ockham to modern times is politicizing the bible all right fine yeah you fine, mentioned so you should start there and fine. when i do a literature review like the last couple times i've done literature reviews where i start with is people who have summarized readings the and thing. then i choose which ones to go deep on all right you can't. You can't just. You can't just read everything. It's a I want to task. though. Uh, uh, Ethan. Ethan. Take it from me. Take it from me. Listen. I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna take you under my wing right now. Okay. All right. You're, please. You're a young baby academic bird. Okay. I'm Let a me... little small. I don't <laughs> little brain. Please me help me you. feed me. Cheep cheep cheep. I, I I want you to take. I want you to take the Clifton Strength so I can I can I can see whether how similar we are because I feel like we're very similar on a lot of these. What's things. your top one? We'll take it right now. My top one is Learner. I bet you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> uh, I think I took this back like freshman year of college, but I Clifton have not strengths? taken it since. Yeah. No way. This is huge. My uh, top one is Learner, but my second is Restorative, which means I like bringing things back to their former glory. Isn't that interesting? Do you have to pay for this? You do. Oh. If you pay, if you did it in, in college, you probably have a, if you sign in, you probably have your results. You might only have your top five. Yeah, I have my top five somewhere. Tell me your tell me your top five. I think my my top one was Woo. I'm pretty sure. No way, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my number ten. Woo stands for winning over others. Yes. For those that don't, yeah, know. winning others over, yeah. And it's, then I think my other ones were like achiever, responsibility, communication, and like activator. I think. Yeah, you have a lot five. of the. I think it's a lot of the. Uh, Ex- the influencing themes. Those yes. those are. I have a, I, yes. my top three out of my five are are strategic thinking themes, mm-hmm. and I have one executing and one influencing theme. I have no relationship building themes in my top ten. Yeah, isn't that weird? It's a little weird. <laughs> I think that people are like when I when I told Phoebe that she was surprised, and I was like, winning others over is something that I've developed over time. I think I'm just really good at winning people over. I'm not good at keeping them yeah. in a little corral. <laughs> You know? I uh, I have zero strategic uh, strengths. I think I is... think 
I w- as evidenced by the grocery store story at the very <laughs> beginning of the podcast. We have we have complementary themes, I think, and we have some mm-hmm. that overlap. And I uh, I I think I am very bad at keeping people together. I think that's uh, I I'm not I am not the glue that holds friend groups together. <laughs> I am mm. the uh, the construction I'm, paper. I'm not I'm not the construction paper. I'm I am I am the guy the that pipe cleaner tells everyone to. I'm the tip of the spear. I'm like, let's go, let's go, uh, let's go jump off some bridges. And everyone's like, sweet. Nice. I like, I thought about it. And this is the best way to jump off a bridge. Let's all go mm. do it. <laughs> Speaking of jumping off a bridge, how about we get into Dr. Ethan's dating corner? All right. You came to the right place. You ding dong. It's called communication, baby. Welcome to Dr. Ethan's Dating Quarter, sponsored by Catholic Match. If you have a dating question, uh, send it in to us by going to the link in the description, or you can go follow at Catholic Match. And uh, this has already happened by the time this episode comes out, but I'm taking over Catholic Match's Instagram on Thursday, baby. baby. I'm so excited. It's going to be really exciting. You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to sit in my house and be like, Hey guys, um, I'm Patrick, and I'm taking over Catholic Magic's Instagram today. That's what everyone else did. I looked at Inspire. I was like, "This is so really? boring. This is boring." You got to spice boring. it up. Now, someone, someone was like in the airport listening and talking very quietly oh. because they didn't want people huh. to hear it. I'm like, "You shouldn't have done sure. this in the airport, buddy." No, don't do it in the airport. Um, but I'm, I'm uh. not. I'm going to be like, "What's up, Squad Fan? Welcome to another awesome video." Before we get into it, just smash that like button, leave a thumbs up in that. the description below. Okay. Please don't uh, do that. This this first Dr. Ethan's dating corner, uh, <laughs> I might still do it. Comes okay. to us from Anonymous. Anonymous. Nice, nice. The, the 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 hacker, the hacktivist group, has has sent us in a question. This one comes. This the short summary is: How long is too long to date before marriage? Hmm. Um, my boyfriend, 27, and I, 26, have been together for four and a half years. Funny enough, All I've right. been a crunch listener for almost as long. We met in college wow. and were friends for two years before we started dating, so they've known each other for six and a half years. Okay. We're super compatible, practicing Catholics, actively seeking to grow in faith, both artsy, same sense of humor, same musical taste, same political beliefs. Well, that's good if you listen to the crunch. Uh-huh. And I've got some weirdly niche political beliefs. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. So it's been amazing to be with someone who truly gets me. All this is to say, I love him. I want to marry him. I think he'd make an incredible husband and father. Amazing. We've been talking about this relationship leading to marriage since we were three months in, but here we are, four years later, with no ring. Oh, dear. Here's an issue. He has OCD and he's afraid of having kids. Not so much that he doesn't want them ever, just not right now. Being practicing Catholics, we're waiting for marriage and have no plans to contracept. To him, it's better for us to put off marriage until he feels mentally ready enough to be open to life. I don't really know if I should argue with that or how to argue with that or if I should, uh, but I desperately want to marry him and I want to be a mother. Should I help him find ways to feel more prepared for marriage and parenthood, or is that an impossible task? Is it selfish of me to feel impatient after four years? I want to be patient and understanding, especially since I know his fears are rooted in his issues with mental illness, but I feel helpless. To make matters worse, everyone around me, friends and family, seem to be of the opinion that he's wasting my time, and I should give him an ultimatum. Oh my gosh, uh, no happy marriage has ever started with an ultimatum. With an ultimatum. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I knew he was the we one just, when we he dated decided. for so long, and then, <laughs> and then he told me to either marry him or pack my bags, and then I decided. And then I knew. 
I knew. I, I knew, knew I, I had was, to stay. I knew I was backed into a corner, and that's when I knew. Right. I, uh, at the moment when I felt pressured and I had no other options, that's when I decided to love him. <laughs> is there marriage any way, under duress. Is there any way I kind. can help my partner so that marriage and parenthood is not so daunting to him? Yes. Yes, there are ways. Thank you for writing in. So proud of you for your... Uh, faithful listening of the Crunch Catholic Podcast. I'm curious to hear what your niche political beliefs are because the first thing that popped into my mind was, what, do you think the Supreme Court judges should stay on the bench even after they're dead? Because that'd be pretty niche. <laughs> I'm going to issue this verdict from the grave. One of, uh, uh, one of, my, one of my kids at, uh, at, at youth ministry, I put up hip LED lights yesterday on the, on uh-huh. the walls and they, like, they, make the, they make the whole place look kind of cool. Yeah. And um, they were rotating between colors, and one of the kids, uh, one of the kids ha- has, um, he's on, he's on the autism spectrum. And he goes, "Wow, they're rotating through RGB." And I went, "Ruth Bader Ginsburg," and he didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's hilarious. But he said RGB, okay. not RBG. Anyway, RGB. That's pretty funny. Um, that's a good joke. I, that's a joke that I would make. I uh, knew. I thought about is, you while I made which it. Which is, which is how we know it's a good joke. Um, so let's let's anonymous. Thank you for writing in. I think there are ways to approach this without issuing ultimatums and also without uh, backing down from the thing that you know is right. Um, if you guys are compatible and you want to be married, you should not let something not let you get married. Right? Having kids is not the thing that makes you holy. Being married is the thing that makes you. I mean, having kids does make you holy, but like, but only the, in as much as you're getting grace through the sacrament of marriage. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. 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 A lot of caveats there, but generally speaking, the vocation is to marriage. It's to be married to to a husband or to a wife. Um, there are legitimate grave reasons for not having kids. Um, if you've been dating for four and a half years, there's very few legitimate grave reasons to not be married. Right. Like that's that is not a yeah. provision anywhere in anything. Um, and so my initial thought is get married and figure it out. Uh, which, de- cause then you'd be at least you'd have more grace than you do now. <laughs> so I'm always in the, pos- I'm in pro grace, pro vocation position. My other thought is, I mean, I feel like counseling is something that he could start now to begin working through these things if he hasn't already. And so, um, and I just, I, I obviously want to be sympathetic because I don't have OCD or mental illnesses or that I'm aware of. Uh, and th- it's very likely that I m- don't understand fully the extent to which he is struggling and suffering. Um, but just having that conversation with him and just letting him know, Hey, I'm not, I'm not scared by your OCD. I don't think you're going to be a bad father because of it. I think your fears are valid and I think we can work through them together, but I don't think this is a reason for us not to, seal a covenantal bond with one another you know and then if he's he's legitimate like not ready to have kids not ready to get pregnant all right that's a that's a conversation that you two can have and that's something that you can pray through when you are married May I introduce it's, you it's, to the marquette method exactly right and it, this is this is one of the reasons that nfp exists right is for these kinds of reasons yes. it'd be it, the exact same for people out there who are listening who are like that's ridiculous you should have kids blah, 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 blah. think about it the other way let's say the it was the woman who had uh mental health issues because of some kind of traumatic experience, maybe a traumatic sexual experience in her life. And she was not ready to have kids. Would you force her to have a child? Because, you know, NFP is, you know, it's not a grave enough reason, like mental problem. Like, no, of course you wouldn't say that. No, that'd be, so that'd be weird. It'd be a weird. So I think a lot of times we niche political opinion. It me. would be, it would be. So I think we give men a hard time where it's just like buck up, figure it out. But if he's legitimately struggling, uh, 
help them get into counseling. Yeah. Cause that's really, I mean, we can do as much as you can on your own, but sometimes you need a health professional. Um, and I would say, yeah, try, don't wait. It may, maybe not ultimatum, but maybe just sharing like, Hey, I really want to spend the rest of my life with you. And I don't think this is a reason for us not to be married. Yeah. What and, do you think, uh, Pat? and next time everyone around you, quote unquote, gives, the, uh, gives you, gives you their opinion. Uh, say thank you for the free advice, but I prefer to pay for mine. Um, nice. I'll let you know. You know, like I'll let yeah. you know if I want more. <laughs> like, don't, don't, please don't burden me with your un, unsolicited advice. Everyone loves unsolicited advice. You know, um, yeah, just like have an honest conversation. I think your what Ethan said of your OCD doesn't scare me. Uh, yeah, get get married, get the graces of, of yeah. marriage, make sure that you're in like a really good place to receive those graces. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, marriage is good and marriage is good. You know, NFP does work by the way. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's good. It, it, it does the job. Speaking of what we've been talking about this whole episode, if you think NFP doesn't work, it's because Protestants are lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but that's the truth. You know what? You know what has a you know what has a, 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 a like a, an eighty percent success rate uh, contraception in its practical use. You know what has a one hundred percent success rate not having sex when you're fertile. One hundred percent success rate. Bum, ba, dum, bum. Yep. And remember, like I said, it is one hundred. Like I always say, it is one hundred percent easier to not do something than it is to do something. Everything about sinning, just don't do it. It's actually easier to not do something. Man, I've been struggling on that one. Yeah, not doing sins. Yeah. Yeah, but it's easier to not do something than it is to do something. You'd think, but then when you start doing it, <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm going to keep doing this. So good. Man. I'm having fun. All right. I think that's good. I don't want to I don't want to belabor that cuz that's pretty serious. Contrary to a lot of a lot of the ones that we get, this is actually like a serious and important thing. Yeah, you guys should like get <laughs> you guys should get married, man. You really should get like, married. Honestly, I'm, hop hop into hop into 6 months, man. Like, uh, yeah. like, like JD said on Twitter, JD, oh gosh, what's his last name? Flynn. Flynn. Yeah. I always forget his last name. JD Salinger? Flynn said on Twitter, JD Salinger, author of Catcher in the Rye and others. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Like JD Salinger said on Twitter, just get married, uh, have your reception in the church hall, do a buffet. Don't freak out. Just have a, have a party and then, you know, go be married. It's actually really great. Is that not exactly what me and Emma did? Did J.D. Flynn, was he at our wedding? Is that how he, That's how he found knew. out about that? Yeah. Phoebe, Phoebe was like, we probably should have. She, she went into the church hall at, at Ascension. She's like, actually, it's kind of nice in here. We probably should have just had our reception in here. And I was like, you should have said that thousands of dollars ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got a good deal on our reception. It's fine. Your, your reception was great. The reason they got a good deal is because there was no air conditioning at their reception. Yeah, but it was like the best day to not it was, have air It was great, but I was dancing and I was so sweaty. Ethan, that would have been you with air conditioning. I know, but you I'm just saying. You were sweaty at your wedding. I just remember being there and being like, ooh, I'm in the South. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, baby. It's sweaty. Having a good time. Having a good time. But it was um, great. It was a ton of fun. I loved your wedding. One more uh, one more update from the, the Rosh and Prisha. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness. The the uh, as as uh, as damned by Father Harrison, the best Doctor Ethan's dating Ethan's corner ever, corner um, ever, even including Eleazar apparently. I know Nurse yeah. Ethan and Doctor Patrick. Many updates, but first, thank you for validating us and a recognition of the red flags. Apparently, there's a red flag emoji meme on Twitter now. Oh really? So yeah, I and so I I posted about it on <laughs> on our nice. crunch on our crunch Twitter today. 
Prisha does not realize the red flags, but she does now realize that she is dating Rosh. Wait, what? Prisha does not realize the red flags, but she does now realize. Oh, that's right. She didn't realize she, she didn't realize that they were dating. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, so Rosh moves around our state because of his job. But right now he's moving to our city for a month. Secondly, they are officially dating and both recognize it. But everyone in the friend group is still uh, against it. Uh, a few of us have told Prisha why we told her about the emo- emotional manipulation, but she doesn't get it. Uh, she fully believes Rosh wants her good, but she de- but we don't see that. The friends don't because he says things that aren't oriented towards virtue. Um, they're still hanging out with Prisha, um, but she uh, she's still with. So the sad ending on that one. Hmm. It, it's, she's still with the, the boy. But, Dang. you know, it's okay. We Guys, send send one up for Prisha. Just yeah. pray that she makes good decisions because we want, we want everyone to make good decisions. The good news is, is that if this guy screwed up before and he hasn't repented and changed, then he's going to screw up again and she's going to learn. Like, it's just going to happen. That's true. People do be learning. People do be learning. And guys like this, uh, they tend to make similar mistakes <laughs> over and over again. Over and over and over, yeah. One day they're going to be hanging out. He's going to pull out his vape pen and she'll be like, oh my gosh, oh, I didn't know you no. were this kind of guy. <laughs> Mango flavored? That's No, disgusting. at least have the dignity to pick cool mint if you're going to pick anything. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right. Ethan really has to pee. And we're going to sign off this podcast. Patreon.com slash the crunch, Facebook.com slash groups slash the crunch cast. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Use the discount code the crunch on newpolity.com to get me into new polity. All right, everyone. <laughs> have a good time. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you and we will see you all next week. Next week.